Hi, my name's Tina Waldron. Welcome to the podcast and I hope you love it and share it with others. This podcast is all about evangelism and mission, sharing Jesus in natural ways, in ways that we can all do. I interview people right across Australia and also overseas to hear what's working and how that ultimately applies to our lives, no matter who we are. Some weeks I jump on and do a little teaching myself. I hope it's helpful for you. Don't forget to check out our other free resources on our website. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism podcast. My name's Tina Waldron from Evangelism in Australia. Today I've got a great discussion for you. We're talking about reaching a post-biblical and post-moral society. I'm talking to Cindy McGarvey, who is the National Director for Youth for Christ in Australia, who knows a lot on this topic. Welcome to you, Cindy. Thanks, Tina. It's great to be here. Wonderful to have you on, Cindy. Now, tell me a little bit, how long have you been working for Youth for Christ Australia and how did you get into that role? Yeah, well, I'm in my eighth year of uh, serving with Youth for Christ and um, amazing story of how I I got into the role and really it's just uh, God, but my background was in missions And I've always loved evangelism and my family. We served overseas with Wycliffe Bible Translators for many years. So it was a natural progression. Yes, absolutely. And wonderful to see another wonderful female in our nation heading a brilliant organisation. Where are you based, just for our listeners, as we're doing this interview today? I'm recording this at Evans Head. Uh, in the <laughs> northern rivers of New South Wales. But we were in Brisbane and our national office is in Brisbane. But uh, a couple of years ago, we left the city and now we live on a large property in the northern rivers of New South Wales. How wonderful. So it, it is quite fun hearing where people are from and uh, different guests that are on the show. So let's talk about this post-biblical and post-moral society. Times have changed a lot. What do we mean? Let's first of all talk about post-biblical. What do you mean when you say post-biblical, Cindy? Well, what basically what I mean is that even when we grew up, Tina, uh, a lot of people just aware of basic Bible stories and even God all of those sort of things, even if you didn't go to a Christian school or you weren't raised in a Christian home. But nowadays there is nothing. There, there is no uh, collective historical memory of basic Christian stories and knowledge that we have uh, that, that was in our day, and which is really interesting because we are a Judeo-Christian foundation society. Yeah, it is so very, very different. And I mean, Youth for Christ Australia work with young people. So you see the impact of that maybe more than, um, well, definitely more than people that maybe are not working with that generation. So for example, people that would be in the 50 plus, we wouldn't classify them as post-biblical. They have some understanding. Tell us about the younger generation that you work with them and what is the evidence that says that they're post-biblical when you engage with them? Yeah, well, obviously I'm not on the front line in the sense that I'm not out there talking with them, but I do a lot because I write and I research. 
in regard to what I said about post-biblical, that sort of knowledge is not there. But there is also, it's also a post-moral society. So morality is relative. Hmm. So, and so there's no um, yardstick for right or wrong. So things that we would significantly see wrong and right, um, it's all relative nowadays. So um, engaging young people, um, you know, even just helping them to understand that they are sinners or that they need, uh, they need a saviour, that's all new information. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a different way of engaging. And I think, you know, I, I've told you before that for our generation, we wanted facts. Tell me the facts for why God exists or that the earth was created or all of those sort of things. But with young people today, they want to know, does it work? Does it work? Does Christianity work? Does having a faith in God work? And so that is why it's so important to live the faith and to show the freedom that we have in Christ. That is the really big, big thing. Yeah, it's a huge thing to actually show the faith. And, and that is the big question. Does it work? And show me that it does work. So with people that are trained through YFC or that are working with YFC to interface with young people and demonstrate that, how are we training people that way or what are we saying to people or what are we telling them to be sure of, etc.? We have a lot of people in ministry in general, you know, across the, the board who are not living that transformed life. Something is missing. Mm. We even have people in, young people who are brought up in the churches they might have a Christian family. They might go to a Christian school. Uh, they might be in a youth group for many years, Sunday school, youth group for many years. And we're finding that these young people who are brought up in the church, one, they don't have any sort of personal testimony. They don't know how to share the gospel. And they're not quite sure what the gospel is. And so we have to start from scratch, I guess, in a way. So our young missionaries, we help young people to be able to share their faith. So we give them the tools to be able to do that and how to share the gospel, how to share your testimony, mm. and, um, and also how to disciple someone. Because with young people, if someone comes to Christ, um, often the only person that can disciple them or that can walk those initial journey times with them are other young people, are their friends. And so they need to know how to disciple someone. Mm. And that's what the church is all about. Yes, absolutely. So that's what we teach with Youth for Christ. Yeah, wonderful. So with people living out their life in front of people, do you think it's effective or is Youth for Christ calling people to be more, well, I guess the word is radical in their faith, but if you want to let Jesus shine, you have to be living differently to what the culture or the world is. Is there a call for that? Exactly. Yes, there is. We have to live counterculturally. I mean, the gospel is a countercultural gospel. And um, some great Bible teachers have said that the church most influences the world when the church is least like the world. Mm. So 
often the church is trying to uh, become more like the world in order to win the world. And that's not the way you go. We become less relevant as we try to become more like the world. Mm. So that's really important for us to remember. And we are a countercultural movement that turned the world upside down, just like Paul and his companions in Acts. Yes, absolutely. What do you think stops people from wanting to stand out with their faith, wanting to, you know, live that countercultural life? Because many people that YFC train and that work for YFC, that's who they actually are at the core. They are different. They have been radically changed by Jesus. What's inhibiting them and what inhibits people in general, myself included? Yeah, that's a really good question, Tina. The gospel has to be relevant to us every single day. So I think that even us who have, you know, who came to Christ and became Christ followers decades ago, It has to be relevant for us every single day. You know, we haven't reached perfection. And now, you know, (laughs) if we present that to the world, uh, you know, to others or to young people that, yeah, we've sort of pretty much reached it and, yeah, nothing to see here, it's such a disappointment and it's not really the gospel. The gospel, the word of God renews us each day and uh, the journey is an exciting journey. So I think um, one of the things is being on the w- in the Word every day. Um, one of the things that I think can impede us is not knowing who we are, our identity, and that's a big thing for our young people as well. Yeah, that is a, a huge thing. I know you've written a number of resources that are around this, which I'll drop the links for in our show notes of a number of books that Cindy has written that would be helpful That is a big piece, isn't it? Identity. Young people grappling with their own identity, then their identity in Christ to actually share with others. So what's your advice in that space and how are you trying to speak into that? Good question. A lot of our young people, the transformation that they've had, not just in in becoming born again and converted, but Understanding who they are in Christ, understanding that they are forgiven, that they are set free, that they are a new creation and all of that sort of thing. They would say, the young people that in Youth for Christ would say that this identity, being a child of God and the grace of God and all the blessings of God and the forgiveness of God, the redemption of God are the thing that are life transforming for them. And when they accept it as truth, not just subjective truth, but objective truth, it really transforms them. So I think uh, that is a big one for our uh, Youth for Christ missionaries. Mm. Oh, You know, let's be honest, isn't that the truth for all of us, Cindy? Really understanding as a follower of Jesus who we are in Christ definitely shapes my life. That's the thing that people see. That's what really speaks loud to a world that doesn't know Jesus, you know. It's so big, isn't it, grappling with that piece? Mm. And the thing about that, I always measure it as um, joy. Mm. And um, 
you know, I was reading Galatians the other day and Paul said, what happened to your joy? They went right into religiosity and all sorts of things like that. And so they lost their joy. And then this morning I was reading in Thessalonians that, you know, God's will for us is to pray continually, to rejoice always, and to give thanks in every circumstance. And I was thinking, wow, it's so simple. Just three simple things. Mm. But um, rejoice always. And I just think, yeah, that, that joy, if we are missing that joy, I always think there's something not right there. Mm, yeah, that's a great comment, something to really think about. Let's talk about this post-biblical, post-moral society that we're in. Where do you even start conversations with people? Or is it just a matter of letting your life and your light shine and I guess making people curious? Like, where do you even start? Yeah, well, one of the things with, with the young people, for example, they start in sharing their life. You know, my life was like this. They might say, you know, I was incredibly lonely. I was incredibly lost. I was addicted. But then, and so they, they basically sharing their testimony. So I think people really relate to people being raw and real. So I, I think that's just a really, really good starting point. Obviously, we can't start in talking about biblical places because people have no idea if you come from that angle. You know, if you have a throwaway conversation, oh, like like the Good Samaritan in the Bible, well, it's just going to land nowhere. Mm, yeah, exactly. And that's why I think you ha- it has to be real and raw and relate to the things that young people are going through. I think also, beside your personal story, I think also we need to be listening and asking questions. Hmm. So what you're saying is this, this, and this. So how did you come to that conclusion? Because often by asking questions, um, some of you may know Greg Kukul, he wrote a book called Tactics. Hmm. I've been uh, using that every now and again when I talk to young people because I like to talk to them and ask them how they think. And asking questions often brings out so much that many discrepancies and, you know, cognitive dissonance instances in their belief. So that's a really good one as well. Yeah, that is a a very good read. So (laughs) post-moral, so when there's no yardstick for truth, what does that mean? What's the bottom line? Surely there's got to be some yardstick or, or are we saying there is absolutely no yardstick? And what about the God consciousness within people? Yeah, that's a, a good question. So we know as Christians that there's objective truth and we know that the yardstick, the ultimate yardstick is the word of God that tells us what is right and what is wrong. So we live in a post-biblical society or in a pagan culture in a way that when truth is relative, it can be anything. But again, you'll have a lot of cognitive dissonance because um, you might say, well, stealing's wrong, but it's shifting sands. But I do think, you know, what you mentioned about, you know, that God within us, that yearning for God, I think we're getting to the point where it's become ridiculous. 
you know, the debate with gender and all sorts of things like that. It's becoming ridiculous. And there is a yearning in young people for truth. I think we, we know in every cell in our body, whether we know God or not, that there is a truth. Mm. And um, so we're seeing that uh, young people, uh, particularly with the issues that are coming out now where young people are told by mainstream that we have to call people by different pronouns and we have to say black is white and white is black and all of those sort of things, I think that it's particularly young men are saying that no, this is not right and trying to look for the truth and we're trying and they're trying to go back you know how many decades do they have to go back to find where the truth is or where we left the path and um, my own son actually explained that to me about young people that they're looking for the truth and they're going back to find out where we left those ancient paths so interesting so interesting yeah this whole post moral society has produced exactly what we're discussing right now is it important for then the moral standards of god to be seen in our lives as a witness to that absolutely that is yeah that is so right you know i'm going to use the example of pornography for example Pornography is just rife. It's cheap. It's easily available. It is everywhere. Uh, when I wrote the book Lost Boys, I did some research on pornography. I talked to a lot of young men. And with the research, I found out that 78% of young men in the church are um, consume porn. And there's a, uh, there's a very high percentage that also um, just men in general in the church consume porn and also pastors. One young man told me, he said, I had just struggled and struggled and struggled. He told me this in tears with porn. He was raised in a Christian home and he found pornography magazines in his father's garage, in his father's workshop, and that's how he, he started with his mates. And so he said that, Every time he tried to kick it, this was when he was in his, um, you know, he's probably about eight or nine. And then by the time they got to their high school years, you know, they were just thorough, all thoroughly addicted. You know, the computers had come out and all that sort of thing. And he said, you know, he struggled with it all the way through, but he went to church one time as a young man and he thought, right, I'm going to kick this habit. I'm going to go and ask all these men in my church that I know to um, help me and he said every man older man that he asked all said yeah well we all struggle with those sort of things not one man could help him and he yeah and as I said he told me this in tears and so if if we are truly transformed by the gospel and if we are truly set free and if the gospel does have this power to transform we've got to be living it and um, these young people were not, you know, this guy, and I've heard from many others, are not seeing it in the church. Yeah, well, we've come through an interesting era of the church, the contemporary church, so to speak. And I'm wondering, is there a time for another holiness movement, so to speak? You know, I know we speak of that term sometimes very derogatively, 
But there actually was a lot of good that came out of that season a long time ago in the church. Is there a time for that again, Cindy, a renewing almost? Yeah, that's a good question. Jesus calls us to, to a life of holiness. And I think that's what we're lacking. I, I think there were some issues with, you know, what they were saying about the purity movement and all that sort of thing. And I think anything can become sort of religious or under the law if you don't really believe it in your heart, if, if you're not transformed. You know, you, you can have all sorts of rules and laws and all that sort of thing, and they're really just rules and laws. But you don't fully understand why or understand the grace of God upon you, all of those sort of things. And I think it becomes religious if it's not something that's a conviction deep down in your own heart. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, this has raised so many great questions and thoughts. And I'm sure that as you're listening today, you've got a number of things racing through your own mind. We've been talking about reaching a post-biblical and post-moral society. Times have definitely changed. I'm really praying that this has been so helpful for you today and I want to encourage you to connect with Youth for Christ in Australia, yfc.org.au, where you can connect with Cindy, where you can find these resources also that we've been talking about and also there'll be some other links in the show notes. So, Cindy, this has been a fabulous interview. My mind is just so stimulated Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, you're so welcome, Tina. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I trust it's been helpful for you. Hey, don't forget to check out our free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. Hope it's a blessing to you. See you next week. We're here to tell us